you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Hey everybody, G Suite by Google Cloud is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. You can make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of multiple versions. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same doc and work off the same page at the same time. Make it G Suite by Google Cloud. To find out more, visit GS Suite. GSuite.com. The Around the NFL Podcast. Came out of the cryopod at age 32. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. Cryopod man himself. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey, y'all. Yo. I'm still reeling from the pre-show Revealed by West that he was the president of his French club <laughs> back as a schoolboy. Yeah, senior year of high school. I was in charge of getting the brie. <laughs> Give us something. What do you do at French club? Uh, one time we played basketball. I remember that. That's what happens when I'm president of the <laughs> I mean, club. in fairness, like France definitely is a was a rising basketball power, a little underrated. They're, this they're was national. before Tony Parker was on the radar. Was what was the male-female ratio in this class? That might have... Well, it might have been a tractor being there for you. It's 100% male because it was an all-male Catholic school. Mm. I don't. I don't. It makes even less sense to me. When you're, ah! if, you, if your uh, <laughs> top memory of French class is basketball, were you really conflicted when uh, Vince Carter dunked over Frederick Weiss in the? Uh, no, no. Olympics? Frederick Weiss was a stiff from the get-go, and the Knicks should have never drafted him. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. This is what we do. Four days of content and and five. That's good. Last week it was five out of five. This week, four out of five. Are we slacking? No. It's just the way the week broke down. Very comfortable with four out of five. Uh, a lot to get to. This is a, this is a packed show. And uh, we have a... Uh, uh, game preview, of course. Thursday night football. The Panthers and Steelers. I mean, Thursday night football is in a bit of a slump. And could use... A good competitive game, and I think we're going to get it. So we're going to talk about that game. Also, Wes wrote a banger, top rookie classes. 
we also have a, kind of a look back segment earlier in the season. Uh, some of the heroes had takes and not all of them pay off. Some of them kind of blow up in your face. So we're going to do a segment that we call you blew it. So we got a good show coming up. But before we get to anything else, the news. Yeah, number two keeps giving me problems. I think we should just shut the whole operation down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Erica squeezes in an Erica soundbite. A stunning development. That segment was a big hit in the Sessler household. That was a good video. They, I don't think they understand that we're acting. Mm. That was entirely. our cold open for our Twitter show, which is available yes. uh, via... Uh, links on our Twitter page. And if you're not watching What's the it Twitter called? show, watch it. What? The Around the NFL Twitter show? What, yeah. Well, they, what it, the Around the NFL podcast Twitter show. I no. Believe. Oh, no? I've yeah. been saying it wrong and tweeting it wrong since the beginning of the season. Yes. Just Twitter show. What What were you saying, Greg? Oh, just like where you find it. Other than our oh. Twitter page, I don't really know. It's pinned on my profile page. Somebody tweeted at me that they went to both Wes and Greg looking for the link only to see it not pinned on either of their pages. I had it pinned until last week when I pinned my midseason All-Pro team, and I make no apologies for that. There you go. That's a man. He says, I'm putting my work, my written word, ahead of the Twitter show. Well, it's like, you know, the Twitter show is playing about 85% of the snaps on my pin. I just had to mix in a rookie. Hey. Mm. Or, and also yeah, maybe a you. Twitter person, uh, you know, scroll down seven or eight inches and it will be there. Thank you. Let's start with Des Bryant, who is back in the game uh, the veteran wide receiver who has spent his entire career with the Cowboys now joins the New Orleans Saints. Uh, a one-year contract is coming after a workout on Tuesday. Uh, the Saints had an extra roster spot uh, when they sent Ted Ginn to IR, uh, and they have not had a lot of production beyond Mike Thomas. Uh, so here comes Des Bryant finally, finally gets a job. Wes, it was just on Sunday where we were kind of talking about, wow, this is really not going to happen. Des isn't going to get work. But it happened eventually. It just took till November. Yeah, this will be guaranteed to lead total access. The whole football watching community will be <laughs> up in arms about Des Bryant, who will be like the fourth or fifth option in the passing game for the Saints. They can hope that he can be maybe a Anquan Bolden-like player who is like a box-out specialist, can't really separate from coverage. Maybe he gives them something after the catch and is a red zone weapon. But I don't like this offense runs through Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and that's going to continue to be the case. I, it's we were talking about him on Sunday because of the video that came out of him running, running drills and stuff, and he looked remarkably slow to the point where I was wondering if well, he was that was, wearing yeah, that ankle was a, weights or something. Well, that was a while ago, and the reports are that the Saints still want him to lose about five pounds, so it sounded like they're not thrilled. But I think it's a good signing because they're really thin. One of maybe the thinnest teams in the NFL at wide receiver. I'm assuming it's not going to – we haven't heard the financial details, but I think it's safe to say it'll be very small with some incentives built in. And if he catches 250 to 300 yards the rest of the way and makes a handful of key first downs for them and is playing, I don't know, getting 30, 40 yards a week, playing 30, 40 snaps, it's like they could use someone because Cam Meredith, that's been a bust. It's not happening. I don't know what the reason is, whether it's health or he can't pick up the offense, well, but he's just not playing. And their only other guy is Traquan Smith, who's a mid-round rookie who has potential. But they don't have another wide receiver with more than 215 yards this year, which is kind of outrageous. Maybe we shouldn't have all slammed the Chicago Bears for allowing Cam Meredith to go when he was coming right. off an ACL injury. That was like the offseason analysis. The Bears really messed up there. Big winner, I think, is Jane Slater of NFL Network, who goes from a 
relatively close relationship with Des Bryant in Dallas to now circulating between Dallas and she's being put on the New Orleans Saints beat regularly there. And uh, can you imagine two cities that you'd rather float between more for, you know, you've got two or three nights out when you go to do these assignments. (laughs) She's tweeting about um, friendly conversations she's having in New Orleans with her Uber driver. Who knows what else she's getting up to. She seems to like the nightlife. So big winner, Jane Slater. It's getting to the point where Jane comes up enough on this podcast where we better have her on or it just starts to get weird. It, it, That's, I, I that think feels it, right. I think it's gotten it's got it just got weird. Uh, in other news, uh, veteran defensive end Bruce Irvin uh, cut loose by the Raiders. Uh, recently signed a one-year uh, deal, uh, one and a half million with the Falcons, and Irvin decided, hey, I want to reunite with Dan Quinn, uh, where I had my good formative years in in Seattle. Uh, he had offers out there, Greg, from the Patriots and the Steelers. So Irvin, despite um, John Gruden deciding to move on had a market out there and now he joins a Falcons team where it seems like he's a good fit. He's a great fit. I mean, they need, it's kind of, it's very much like the Des Bryant signing where at this point in the season, if you can sign anyone that even plays 30 snaps a game for you and just gives you some help instead of having to play some random rookies or, or just a, a yeah, Jags basically off the street. Irvin played some decent games early in the season. He lost playing time, but it's worth a shot for them. It's another reminder that it's two teams. Atlanta ref- absolutely refusing to give up on their season. Why should they? And Bruce Irvin, to me, is when he was in free agency before he went to the Raiders, we all had him pegged for the Falcons as a perfect fit for them because of scheme and because of his relationship with Dan Quinn. So now it happens finally little few years too late maybe, but we'll see. There's been a tight race over the past few weeks between the fan bases of the Raiders and Browns to see which players mailing it in the most this season between right. Bruce, Bruce Irvin and Jamie Collins. Bruce Irvin's like had Raiders fans in an uproar over his effort level. It seemed like at some point he was starting to check out, and it sounded like they tried to trade him. Maybe he knew it. He wanted he wanted out of there, and it worked. He just it he's going. He's going. To, I believe he's from Atlanta. He's playing for a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. He'll probably have a decent role for them because they're not deep at that position. At they're all. actually that that is not a position of need. They, I mean, Vic, if Vic Beasley plays, he's supposed to be good, but. They've got right, Jack, but he is Jack, not, he's not good. Jack Crawford's playing well. Tack McKinley's playing well. They've got Brooks Reed there. This is not a team that was, like, desperate for edge rushers. Uh, injury news and bad news uh, for my New York Jets. Sam Darnold coming off the worst uh, game of his career uh, uh, is now on the shelf, it appears. He, the rookie quarterback uh, watched practice on Wednesday with a walking boot on his right foot. Uh, and according to Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, sources say he has a significant foot sprain, won't play against the Bills on Sunday, uh, and the Jets hope he'll be back after their Week 11 bye to face the Patriots, but according to Mehta, they are not overly optimistic that that's the case. Uh, he got beat up a little bit during that Dolphins game, uh, but it didn't seem like he suffered any serious injury during the game. But this just is uh, the cherry on top, which has been uh, on, on the worst stretch of the season for the Jets. Now Donald goes to the bench. Uh, Mark, is there a case to be made? It's not the worst thing that Donald gets a little bit of a blow here or a reset button? I think it's a strong case for that because, look, the, if you're a Jets fan and you can tell me if you disagree – you don't really want this team to surge down the stretch. You want to get out of this year with Sam Darnold having a few more starts and, and hopefully quality ones, not suffer an injury that sets his offseason back by even an inch, and the coaching staff wiped away. 
You and so you so they have, they play the Bills twice. They have two games against the Patriots, the Packers, Texans, and Titans. That's a tough schedule, and I I have no problem with Darnold getting with the bye week ahead an extra week of rest to get completely healthy. There's no reason he should be on the field with this Jets team unless he's 100. percent Problem is, it doesn't sound like one week's going to make him completely. Then healthy. you then they're yeah. fine. They have Josh McCown. I mean, if they're I don't know what the goal is with the Jets right now, but you don't need to push Darnold onto the he, field. He was limping around at the end of that game. He also. I think owned up to his play on Monday, didn't make any excuses. No one even really knew he was that injured, but it sounds like a significant foot sprain. He said he, he was playing stupid football. Everyone needs to know I, I need to play better. So I think some time off could help. And th- they have a better chance to win with Josh McCown, which I think it hasn't been talked about a lot, but now here we're at midseason, and I feel like that's safe to say that the Jets would be a better team this year or have a better chance to win on a weekly basis with McCown playing. Wouldn't you agree? Don't you think they have a better chance to beat the Bills now? Uh, yeah, you could say that, but that's more that getting back to that Parcells progress stopper thing. I oh, you would never yeah. want to play him. I'm not questioning right. that decision. I would just they think have they maybe might... another win or two? Maybe. 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 Uh, a mental break isn't the worst thing, especially the way this offensive line's playing. The center with his snaps last week was a bit of a joke. Uh, he, Darnold got hit quite a bit in that game, and the receivers aren't playing well. The ground attack isn't consistent. Better to have a veteran in there for a few weeks while it gets sorted out. And he's playing for a staff that's not going to be there. Which right, is also right. Part it's become that. an awkward situation. A staff that's done nothing to help him. Uh, let's uh, move on. Talk about the Detroit Lions who make a change in their backfield. Amir Abdullah, who, speaking of the Jets and Todd Bowles, I remember once upon a time, about three or four years ago, uh, after a preseason game, Todd Bowles made a Barry Sanders comparison to Amir Abdullah. And we waited and we waited and the Lions waited and waited. It just never happened. And he's barely been on the field this year. So the Lions finally decided to make a move. They cut ties uh, with the uh, former second-round pick, uh, 54th overall he went. They filled the slot with Bruce, uh, with Zach Zenner, uh, who was uh, an, uh, the old AAZZ swap, by the way, Mark. <laughs> I mean, whenever you can pull off a deal of that nature, you must – <laughs> exactly. And uh, also in other lines news, Bruce Ellington uh, signed by the team. Uh, so he uh, gives them a little bit more depth with Golden Tate out the door. Amir Abdullah, one other memory is that the Cardinals were going to draft him and settled for David Johnson instead when the uh, Lions picked Abdullah ahead of them. But he's developed the biggest fumbling problem in the league, I think. And that was the knock on him coming into the league that his small hands led to fumbling. Mm. And you think about the teams that need running backs, the Patriots jump out. I can't imagine Bill Belichick going for a fumbler. Yeah, I mean, Amir Abdullah is one of those guys that has been mentioned an incredible amount of times on this podcast with a total lack of production. He has the same (laughs) amount of rushing yards since he was drafted as Buck Allen. Who was who was that year's draft in Terrence West? Like that's he just hasn't you know, he's shown potential, but he hasn't he hasn't played that much. And the Lions, who all we talked about all offseason, are they going to have a running game or not? It's like their running game is fine. They they made a great draft pick. Hasn't made their team much better. That they're not really winning games, but their running game is good. Carry on Johnson's a man. Uh, in other news, the um, Washington Redskins have been destroyed by injuries. Uh, guards uh, Brandon Scherf. And Sean Laval, Laval. Laval uh, both done for the year, torn pectoral uh, for Scherf and Laval, torn ACL. Paul Richardson also out for the year, the wide receiver as an AC joint injuries. Uh, Wes, how do you survive this if you're the Redskins? 
on top of that, left tackle Trent Williams, by far their best offensive lineman and one of the best left tackles in the league, is out a couple more weeks with thumb surgery. Their right tackle Morgan Moses is going to try to play through an MCL sprain. Every November we see attrition take out a contender or two. This reminds me of uh, the Patriots three years ago when they lost in a span of two weeks uh, Julian Edelman, Deion Lewis, Danny Amendola, Gronk, part of their offensive line. Like, you, you can't survive stuff right. like that. And the Eagles are the big winner this week, even though they didn't even play last week. Jamison Crowder's been out, maybe is returning this week. You mentioned Moses. He played through that injury last week, but he was he was getting crushed in the second half of that game when he was playing. I feel for the Redskins because they're a team without a lot of margins. Like, they had a very good chance, I think, to make the playoffs. And they're built. With that schedule. Built with their offensive line. Right, to win 10 games. They were dead last last season in adjusted games lost, according to Football Outsiders. So they had terrible injury luck last year, and now they're having it again. And, like, that can sink a coaching career if you're Jay Gruden. And there just aren't teams with offensive line depth anymore. And you look at who's behind these guys. Chase, you'll like this guy, Dan, Chase Roulier. Is that how you say his last name? He's their starting center, Mm. I believe. He, I thought he was moved I over to left it. guard. Yeah, I think they put Tony Bergstrom at center, and then they signed, they I mean. signed <laughs> former number one pick Jonathan Cooper. They signed Luke Bowanko. They signed Austin Howard, who got cut by the How Colts. about more regular names? Austin Howard, perfect. There you that, go. We, we, that is appreciated. Uh, I don't see how they survived this. The way the way they're built to have Adrian Peterson as the showcase. Their, their schedule's easy enough that you could see them – Maybe cooking up four wins still somehow and getting to nine and seven, but I just think boring this, January this, playoff team. The <laughs> ceiling's so low. I think the Eagles at this point, Eagles, you've been a disappointment. I I know they've had a lot of injuries, but ultimately that you've been a disappointment as a defending Super Bowl champion. And if you don't win this division now, you're a major disappointment. I like how Alex Smith post Forty ers is like, I will only be on boring <laughs> playoff teams that get axed early in January. That's speaking, what I do. Speaking of uh, disappointing NFC East teams, the Dallas Cowboys. Licking their wounds after their Monday Night Football loss against the Titans. Troy Aikman, franchise legend. He's got some rings. Three, I believe. Uh, which gives him the right to occasionally pop off to the media and, and people pay attention. Well, he does a weekly appearance on 1310 The Ticket. Uh, and he called Dallas uh, an organization that's in a dysfunctional place. Oh, he's not happy. Here's what else Troy had to say. Go through the list, and and this team over a long period of time has been what it's been, and it hasn't always mattered who the head coach has been. And so, to me, if you're asking me, I'd say there has to be a complete overhaul of the entire organization. You just can't simply replace head coaches and say now it's going to be better. No, it, it, it it's it's been shown that it's not better, and you Woo! have to address how everything is being Uh-oh. done. Uh-oh. You know, Mark, he's boys, Troy, with Jason Garrett, his old buddy in the quarterback room. Uh, but when you say complete overhaul, you know what you're saying. I give him credit because he's close with everyone in that organization and has been their favorite son for decades. I mean, we're at the point where people listening to the show, some of the younger ones, didn't watch Troy Aikman play. He's one of my favorite players of all time. But to come out and speak honestly about this Cowboys team, which is an absolute raving mess from the inside out. They are poisoned from the inside out at the highest level right now. That This is exactly what needs to be said. What are it's they? Up, 
They are a poison from the inside out. They are a. They are. Did you say a, raving mess? They are a wreck. Like a, like a rave, like but it's like an, a messy one. Like it's a messy it's kind raving of, mess. It's kind of fun. People throwing up. They got the bad stuff. It is the end of the rave. It's like four thirty-one a.m. The sun is starting to peak up over New York City. You're gonna and have. You're is gonna up. have some moments, but ultimately, it's pretty sloppy. It's the, the bad part of the rave. You need a well, heart transplant well, in the Dallas that, Cowboys organization. To that, that quote. It it made more sense to me hearing him say those words because yeah, he is friends with Jason Garrett and that was clear from that choice that he's saying it's not Jason Garrett's fault he's saying it's Jerry Jones's fault period that he didn't try to hide it there he said the way that Jerry Jones runs his organization is it needs to change that the Jones he was saying the Jones family needs to fire themselves which is pretty strong pretty strong to say that's not gonna happen I don't know about a complete overhaul wait you think the Jones family might fire itself I don't even know what that means I think Troy Aikman is saying that you should – he was saying it's not on Jason Garrett. It's that the Jones family should not be involved in football operations, essentially, that the, the structure of how they do it is at fault, which is the same thing many people in the media have said for years and years. It's been quieter over the last few years because they drafted well and had some good seasons. I think it's possible at some point Jerry Jones would fire his son to hire a, a, a – personnel director if it really bottomed out hmm. maybe not this year i think jerry jones is going to direct never troy, troy aikman's complaints to a brick wall and pay no attention probably, to it you're probably right. and i don't think they right. need a complete overhaul this is the best defensive personnel they've had in a long time their offensive line has potential their running back is obviously excellent they need a new offensive coaching staff and a new head coach but i, I think what he's he's saying is like yeah that's all true but as long as you don't if you don't change the way that the ownership gets weren't they winning seventy five percent of the games the past you want to see years? in the world? I'm just saying the the way that they're emotionally invested and the way that they go up and down like fans. You can't have your GM acting like that all the time. This and also so this, this is this is what happened. Like sometimes Jerry Jones said after the games, like we didn't see this coming. You didn't losing to the Titans. You didn't see losing. You're a three and four team who's completely mediocre, sub mediocre on offense. You're capable of losing any game to any team, but you buy your own hype. And a lot of the reporters around that team buy their hype. I would also say that Aikman. This is this wasn't just Troy Aikman's opinion. It's, it came from talking with people inside the organization. We don't know who they are, but he obviously has access to anyone he wants, and it's them telling him that they sense complete dysfunction. So that carries more weight than just the ex-quarterback spouting off. By the way, two of the greatest things I have seen on the show that happened during this segment while Greg was talking, Erica almost fell asleep out of boredom behind the glass, and then Dan <laughs> is taking his phone after applying hair gel to his hair. Product product to his hair, pointing the camera at himself just to make sure that it's pointed perfectly <laughs> while we're attempting to dissect the oh, I assume I mean, you were, huh. that was like going on your Instagram story or something. <laughs> I was that. listening the whole time, uh, but I thought because I had applied it um, that maybe it was pointing up, uh, sticking up a little bit, so I the phone showed well, me that it, it looks was. Great. It My looks instincts great. were right. It looks great. Should Fine. we throw in like some Justin Bieber talk to keep Tamposi awake? Ooh. I prefer Justin Timberlake, but Justin Timberlake. Oh, okay. Uh, finally, <laughs> uh, something I don't like. Am twins. <laughs> something I was very upset to hear about. Um, New England Patriots, the throne of sleaze, everything going great over there these days, and now because because they decided um, that you know winning's not enough, constantly winning, and their quarterback never getting hurt, never being in a walking boot at practice, uh, never missing multiple weeks with a foot injury. 
they got to start stealing nicknames now. And what are they doing? Trey Flowers? It's not enough that he's the number one ranked PFF pass rusher on the, on the edge. It's not enough that he won the Around the NFL podcast award for uh, PFF Unsung Hero. Now they got to go stealing nicknames. Listen to this. Defensive coordinator Brian Flores says those around the Pats organization refer to Trey Flowers by a different name, the Quiet Storm, mm. which, in mm. their opinion, perfectly encapsulates Flowers' personality and playing style. You don't hear much from him, but he's been a warrior for us. He's played lights out for us since he's gotten here. You're not allowed to do that. I mean, if you really want to dig into it, one could argue that the quiet storm was initially applied to Courtney Brown, the first overall pick of the 2000 draft. But he came Ooh. and gone. He came and gone. He's gone. You can't have – you can't now have – I like the way you said here's that. Here's the problem. Yeah, he came I, and gone. I'm the one in trouble here if you want to say that that's my nickname because this is someone who's much more – well-known, probably much, 10 times better at his day-to-day job and featured on national television multiple times during the autumn into the winter. Uh, We're not even on television at this point. So I I don't know. This is not trending well for this production. You you earned that nickname. Mm. I coined that sitting across from you on Sundays because there was always a rage below the surface, even though you're quiet throughout games. And I don't think Trey Flowers fits. In fact, how many (laughs) nicknames does this guy need? What other nicknames? Is He's it? been called Technique by his defensive teammates well, for the past terrible. few years. I believe Tony Romo had a different nickname from him after talking to their teams mm. and coaches in a game earlier Some people this year. just invite nicknames, you know? Mark, you're on the internet, though. So He's what, what are television. your thoughts, though, my, Mark? You're on the internet. And okay. That's good. That's You've been, Courtney Brown retired, but in between Courtney Brown's retirement and your emergence as the quiet storm – the movie The Quiet Storm was released, and if for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, it, it was a politically charged full-length action thriller revolving around a gang of four. At a Pan-African meeting, it's decided for, the <laughs> what? for there to be positive change. <laughs> I don't know why this really cracks up. In the social and economic <laughs> situations of Africans at home, some of the leadership problems will need to be rectified. Why was that so funny to you? <laughs> Wait, we also put out. It a- was not what I was expecting. It was like a UK corrupt puppet African leader. Did you see that? You said for the listeners who have, I've never heard of that movie. No, I haven't either. Yeah. But we, I, we I also put out a, a movie, or at least a trailer for the Quiet Storm. They took his team viciously below average. They stole his innocence. Childlike, but not to suggest innocence or purity. They made a football life about his misery. Control-alt-delete. And opened a factory of sadness that never closed. Now, the climate is ripe for revenge. This winter, there's a hurricane coming for anyone who looks in this direction on a Sunday. It'll be an apocalyptic sunset. (laughs) Mark Sessler is Quiet Storm. This show cannot end fast enough, and I have a sharply worded letter to hand to you, my friend. Um. So anyway, Mark, I'm disturbed. We, but that that show, we had the Quiet Storm. It's locked in, and I feel like litigation is not the worst avenue here. 
I, I would love to pursue it. Um, I'd like to have the league, you know, my, my employer get behind it. Uh, let put some of their money into it. It's very expensive to try to take on the Patriots financially. It's also time consuming. Don't have a lot of time or money. All right. Well, that's what's happening in the news. A furry friend for every occasion. That's what you get when you invite farm friends to your next event. Our mobile petting zoo gives your kids a memorable, loving, educational experience for birthday parties, company picnics, school events, graduations, photo shoots, weddings maybe, Wes, or any event where you want to entertain and excite children. Farm Friends makes it easy to have a great children's birthday party. That's, become far, that's because Farm Friends comes to you. We bring our furry friends to entertain and educate. Each animal is gentle and kind, and children love getting to meet and pet these wonderful creatures. Kids are full of wonder and want to learn more all the time. Playing with the Farm Friends gives them an opportunity to encounter the animals they've only seen in books, computers, or on TV. Farm Friends has all sorts of animals to share, from ponies, rabbits and parrots, to potbelly pigs, South Down baby, baby doll sheep, and Nigerian dwarf goats. Many of our beloved furry friends were rescued from shelters throughout L.A. County. If you and your kids adore animals, you'll love our mobile petting zoo and pony rides. We can't wait to introduce you to our furry friends. Book us for your next event by calling Farm Friends at 310-463-8795. Once again, that number, 310 463 Eight seven nine five. Now, it's time. I love animals, so that's I enjoyed that. Now it's time to uh, own up. Own up. We don't get everything right. But the difference between our show and other shows is that we're not afraid to admit it. Wes, there's something honorable in that, isn't there? Of course, you own up to your mistakes. <laughs> Absolutely, and so then you like have to when, look in the mirror, and when you and when you do own up to them, I think it's important just to let everyone know what good people you are by owning up to them. You know what I mean? Oh, you have to just like attack that on. Give ourselves glory for that, right? But at least I mean, it's better than not doing it at all. I feel like I feel like maybe you could look at it in that type of way, and that's a little bit cynical. I I think this is. I don't think that's cynical. I think this is really showing that we are very special people. Ultimately, <laughs> to Greg's point, yeah, it was like. It was like our president today was asked his takeaway from from the election that like, and he his one big takeaway was people like me. And that's what my takeaway <laughs> is from this podcast. All right. So this is a segment we call. You blew it. All right, Mark, uh, you're going to get us going uh, with a prediction that you made uh get us get us get us started. Quiet storm. I mean, essentially true. Yeah, this came. Um, in our week three recap, when I was very agitated with a with one team from the AFC West. The Chargers, I am sorry, I cannot at this point sit through many more weeks of this. I have Chargers exhaustion. It, <laughs> uh, they they need Joey Bosa back, and they just got to clean it up on spe- special teams. About, yeah, right. They, I, they guess what? Not holding point. my breath. So... At that point, you were just done, Mark. You were, you you felt another Charger season was coming that was going to be just like the rest of them, but it hasn't quite worked out that way. Yeah, I just could not tolerate a Chargers team that lost to the Chiefs and Rams. How could I put up with that kind of an, a squad? Little did I know they would not lose since. They look like the most balanced team in the entire conference and the team ready to play spoiler and say, you want to just give the Chiefs and the Patriots the bye? 
Well, they've got an absolute cupcake schedule coming up. They've got teams like the Broncos and the Cardinals and the Raiders, and they have a very good shot to get to Pittsburgh in Week 13 at 9-2. and two. And at that point, they're very much in the conversation to steal one of those buys from the Patriots or the Chiefs and say, you know what, Cecil, you don't know. Censored. You don't know anything. Wait a second. Way to read the tea leaves, Mark. Well, I have to give Bridget is correct this time. So you owned up to it. Good job by you. This, this yeah, happens all a... the time. Teams that everyone likes year after year. The moment that you were very common, I would say, in, in your opinion of being tired of the Chargers. Even people like me and Mar- Wes, who have been loving this team for years, we, we started getting pretty quiet. And we started getting a little bored, you know, just wondering if this thing's ever going to happen. The moment that that happens, then suddenly Melvin Gordon is looking as good as any running back in the league. Desmond King is winning multiple games for them, and Rivers is having the season we've been waiting for. Didn't what? Will Brinson jump off this bandwagon? He did. He did. He did. Giving him grief. Well, he it. and I picked the Chargers he both to go to the up. Super Bowl last year, mm. and I think we were bit by that in also. In fact, when we, when we get to mine, it is from the show that Will was on with us, All right. where I believe he did. Uh, oh yeah, that was the episode where he went nuts and just said he was out. <laughs> he did, yeah. Nuts. Bad timing. <laughs> Mark, what is the Chargers' final uh, record going to be at the end of uh, Week 17? I'm just curious what you think. I think they're going to be a 13 and three team. Wow! Wow! Whoa. But again, everything that I've said about the Chargers is completely wrong. Oh, so if they go 13. How about 12 and four? 12, 12 and four. four 12 and four feels very real to me. 13 and three is juggernaut stuff. 13 and three is you might you might have to win in Kansas City to get there, and you might win the division if you go. I think they are going to be, split with the Chiefs, which would be amazing. Hmm. Wes, what do you got? I doubted one of my favorite players in the league and one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and it was. Because of a sequence at the end of a week three game, and the sequence everybody knows because he couldn't, he was replaced on a Hail Mary attempt. Right. And then I actually used the name Chad Pennington in the same sentence as Andrew Luck. Oh, no. Let's listen in. Jacoby Brissett for the Hail Mary, and everyone's wondering what's wrong with Andrew Luck's arm. To me, that's a sure sign that Reich is admitting Andrew Luck's arm isn't where it needs to be. Maybe. Maybe he's not Chad Pennington. Maybe he's still working back to get that arm strength. But no other no other quarterback in the league gets pulled in this situation. Here, no. As much as that Hail Mary, what bothered me was the plays before that. There were 43 seconds left. He could have worked down for – he could have worked down to get the ball down the field, and instead he was just taking easy check downs for four or five yards. No desire whatsoever to, to test the Eagles mm-hmm. down the field. Tybee Island is a dirty swamp. Oh, <laughs> oh you go to hell, Bridget. Bridget, that is a You go to hell and you die. I didn't even know she got out of the garage. That was unfair. Not yeah. right, not right. But here's Andrew Luck now, and he is Andrew Luck again, more or less. Right, Wes? He's on pace to tie Drew Brees for the fifth most touchdowns in a season. He's on pace for 46 touchdowns, and ever since – you know, my ridiculous comments about his arm strength. He's been on fire throwing to guys like Zach Paschal and Mo Alley Cox for an <laughs> offense averaging 35 <laughs> points a week. That that was the game everyone was worried, though. I think people, even like the Eagles, you could hear after the game were kind of 
they weren't impressed with what they saw out of Andrew Luck. He wasn't his arm didn't look great, and he is a different quarterback. He's not the same old Andrew Luck. But his arm and that's fine. A lot, a lot, a lot of it's better. Like he's a he's a smarter quarterback. You he forget is. how young he is. He's playing his, the game pl- his ball placement is so better. intelligently. He's not nearly the same runner as he used to be because he doesn't want to be because he he's trying to. St- Stay away from getting any hits, which was a, an old problem that he had. His arm, I don't think, is quite where it was, but it doesn't matter. He has plenty of arm, and he's better in so many other And areas. how much of a difference has the offensive line improvement made? I mean, I feel like that helps you be a smarter quarterback. I think Reich and Luck has made are the key. Reich has been the key to making the offensive line better. He's getting the ball out of his hands quicker than almost any quarterback in the league, and you run an offense that, that makes them look better. When your name is Mo Alley-Cox, the assumption is that one parent – uh, had the last name of Ali and one had the last name of Cox, or is it multiple parental situations, or maybe a family split at some point? Most most hyphens are are a divorce situation, or you just want to have both names. But we're assuming yeah. that it isn't a hyphenated last name; that is the actual you spoke only with last name. A lot of confidence like, there. Well, don't you guys know <laughs> a lot one of these people? Things really. Well, don't well, you guys know a lot are. of people with hyphens, and how many of them aren't exactly that situation? But like, it, every it could be one just I know is. well. I'm going to do some more, some more comments. Kirstie Alley and Fletcher Cox. If they got married, they wanted to hook it up. <laughs> Unlikely pair. Add that Cox. couple together. Let the record show there was one person who did not question Andrew Luck's arm strength after that game, and that was Andrew Luck who insisted that his arm was just fine. Yes, I believe his quote right after the game was shut the fuck up. Censored. When someone asked him about <laughs> it. Which is not like Andrew Luck, but he must have felt very mm. confident. Eric is like yet another edit to this show. <laughs> All right, Greg, why don't you go next? I got carried away talking about a team who's basically the same team every year after year, and I kind of like a lot of bad predictions. That was just wish casting. This is what I was hoping would happen. It was stupid. The Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> wow, it's not it's from the Twitter show. After I gave them an this award, is a ship going downhill. Something <laughs> smells ship be sting- wrong. Ben, ben Roethlisberger so said he's not on the same page with anybody. And Ben Roethlisberger loves to put little passive-aggressive quotes into the media that actually do mean something. Antonio Brown's not getting the ball as much. The Steelers' defense is a shell of its former self. No pass rush. James Conner has been under 20 yards two of the last three weeks. The lowest rushing total the Steelers have had since 1970. 70. And by the way, they're in the best division in football. They're not Oof. getting past the Ravens and the Bengals because those teams are legit. And even Oof. the Browns are going to be tough. They could be oh. in last place at the end of the I really game. wanted you to go golf, but... <laughs> Whoa. I like that, that you... Oh, I forgot about Old Bridge. Greg, this is an intervention. Help us help you. <laughs> she does seem to have a lot of empathy for you, Greg. I appreciate that. You know, I have a special connection with women. Okay. <laughs> uh, unconfirmed. Another I, unconfirmed that report. Was, I do like that was that was from our Twitter show, and I had given the Steelers the award of of a team you should freak out about. Mark thought I should have, or something you should freak out about. Mark thought I should have given it to another nominee, which was the entire sport of golf. It would have been oh, a, much, yeah. a much better choice because yeah. golf's going downhill. It's a total yeah, going. Bo- it's a total bore. And you know what? The Steelers have one of the best offensive lines, one of the best receiver groups, one of the best running games, one of the best red zone offenses. And they still have Ben Roethlisberger, who's fine even when he's not playing that well. Could hear it in your voice, too. You had you said wish casting, and and you could hear the the excitement because you even though the Patriots always take care of the Steelers when it matters, you just don't want them in the picture. 
You don't want him around anymore. It just would have been. I, you don't want the same thing year after year. It's fun to see bad, te- good teams get bad and bad teams get good. Except like, for the Patriots. Well, yeah, that's that's the team that should never get bad. <laughs> Every year there's like a player or two I have a complete disconnect with um, and pro football focus. Ben Roethlisberger is the guy this year. They have him behind guys like Alex Smith, Dak Prescott, Blake Bortles, Case Keenum. I think he looks like Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. He missed a few throws in September, but he's moving better than he did last year in the pocket. The offense is on fire. They're, I mean, he, he's not making back-breaking turnovers. How do you grade those guys ahead of him? I think if you looked at his grades over the last, and I'm doing it now, over the last four weeks, it's been good. So the, he just buried himself with a lot of – he got away with a he lot of – He didn't really bury himself. I mean, he's he's alive and living and playing right. the good first, football. In the way that they grade, the first four or five weeks of the season were so bad, just with a lot of lucky plays that didn't get intercepted and not a lot of the, the conventional Ben's going to do something on his own plays. But I think you've seen those over the last three or four weeks, and he's been fine. Uh, we'll close it out uh, with my thoughts, which were back in – the Wednesday show ahead of week three, uh, the Seahawks were 0-2. And, and beyond being 0-2, they just seemed to be a directionless 0-2 or a team in search of an identity, which we had not been used to uh, up there in Seattle. Here's what I said. Uh, early in 2017, the Seahawks were s- still had their core together. They got off to a 1-1 one one start. And you weren't sure what team they would be, but you kind of thought they were going to figure it out and, again, be a team in the NFC uh, to be reckoned with. At the start of 2018, two weeks in, I don't think there's any question that the Seahawks are an also-ran, that the Mm. Seahawks are a a rebuild, and you see it on both sides of the ball. I was borderline depressed. It's like the Seahawks don't matter right now. No. And that's, that's a big change from what we've gotten used to over the last five or six years. Uh, me too. No worries, honey. How could you have known? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we all knew. We all knew that was not going to wind up as any sort of critique of you, despite your analysis being as far off course as possible. <laughs> all right, it was worth it. That was what it was all about. Um, okay, so the Seahawks do have an identity. They are not also runs. They're also not a superpower. It's not like uh, um, they've been blowing the doors off the uh, off this industry of football. Professional <laughs> context. Does being Greg Rosenthal's fourth favorite team count as an identity? <laughs> maybe, maybe. But they were 0-2. Uh, they then won 4 of 5, and they their defense really did develop. Uh, they quickly found a new niche um, with uh, big playmakers – Frank Clark has seven and a half sacks uh, halfway through the season. He could be an all-pro. This is a team that has found itself defensively. Uh, Offense uh, has been better. The running game has been better. Russell Wilson has had some really nice moments this season. Uh, They did stumble a little bit uh, at home against the Chargers, which takes a little bit of wind out of the sails of the team. But overall, when you look at them, um, I think they are an NFC team that is going to be in the mix for the wild card spot, they have three lo- their four losses, all of them, uh, one score games, and the the combined record of the teams that beat them nineteen and six. So what that kind of tells me is 
they're not quite at the level of these top teams in the league, but they can hang with any team and they could beat all the bad teams. And most of the teams that are in the middle of the road, they could hang with them and beat them too. So we'll see what happens. We're going to learn a lot about them coming uh, 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 over the next three weeks because they go to Los Angeles against the Rams. Tough, tough matchup, especially with the Rams coming off that loss. And then home with Packers and then at Panthers. So they need to win probably two of those three games uh, to, to stay above water, at least one, obviously. Uh, and we'll see, learn a lot about them. But I was wrong at that moment thinking that this team was going to be a 6-10 type outfit with no juice. I would say if they ever found a way to sneak in to the final wild card spot, it's improbable with their schedule. But almost regardless, I, I would like to see Pete Carroll in the conversation for Coach of the Year. I have no idea what Coach of the Year means in this league because Bill Belichick never gets it, and he probably <laughs> should get it every year. But what Pete Carroll dealt with in the offseason, having to – displace a bunch of veterans who had maybe lost the, lost the message of Pete Carroll and, 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 and were taking over the team in a bad way, to move on from them, engage in a rebuilding project, have everyone write you off, and then show what he's done with all these new faces and these younger players, and their secondary looks great all over again. I mean, he's doing everything he did the first time. He's beginning to do it a second. What is a coach of the year? You alluded to kind of the, the veteran issue, Earl Thomas, a big issue with him in the holdout. He does play. He's a, a, an impact player. And then he gets hurt, and he's out for the year. So they've been able to fight through that as well. At the time of your statement, Dan, we all thought this was a 6-10 and 10 team. Right. Yeah. I, th- I thought this wrong. was an 8-9 eight, eight, win team going into the season. Except for Greg. That's probably where <laughs> they're going to be at. Greg nailed it. Not at that time. <laughs> he got it. I mean, we could go back, and I would say at least half of my predictions would all be wrong. It wouldn't be hard to – find incorrect predictions. I'd say nine out of ten of mine are I'd probably about, definitively about, about incorrect. About half, I would say. I'm just throwing darts at a non-dartboard. We provide a lot of value in different ways. Predictions <laughs> is not one of them, and it's not one that any football analyst provides any value. The entire industry whiffs. Right, and it's not just football industry. It's like it, studies have been done. The, the, the best experts in basically any medical, scientific fields, whatever, have no predictive powers whatsoever. On what? It's like you can, you can analyze this, but you can, you're not going to know what's going to happen in the future. That's why it's censored. Damn future. Find, find me one other football show in existence where they sit around telling each other we provide value in other ways. Like, at what time do you stop down and tell the listener that we are providing value? It is unbelievable it. what happens on this show. <laughs> All right, there you go. We blew it, but uh, we owned up to it, so we're the best. All right, now let's move on. Uh, let's hit this uh, pretty quick, but we should hit it because, Wes, you got a banger that's coming. Is it up on the site yet? Or it is it's coming not up, up soon? Yet. It should be up. By the time this podcast is released. There you go. Oh, yeah. That makes this breaking news. Top 10 rookie classes uh, in the NFL, and uh, you put a lot of thought into this, Wes. um, Do you want to uh, tell us? First of all, why don't you just throw out the number one? Who has the best rookie class as of halfway through the 2018 season? To me, there are two that stand above the crowd. It's the Browns and the Colts, and I gave the edge to the Browns for the quarterback Mm -hmm. factor. They nailed the right one, and – A lot of people thought they should have taken Sam Darnold. Josh Allen's name was in the mix. A lot of people thought Josh Rosen was maybe the best NFL-ready quarterback. But I think they, after all of their due diligence, settled on Baker Mayfield, the right guy who's been the most productive and the most promising of the rookie quarterbacks. That's a big big call. I mean, Denzel Ward is on my midseason All-Pro team, and Nick Chubb 
has rushed for 21 looks more really yards on 40 fewer attempts than Carlos Hyde. Chubb looks really good. He looks like, I don't know, like a Eddie there's not many running backs around like him right now. He's more that, explosive than Eddie George. Yeah, but like a young Eddie. Eddie George was explosive when he was young. But he has a very good sense of, like, what holes to hit and how to set up runs. Like, he's just kind of an old school. He, he seems like he has great vision, which is I, a great trait. I think it's the third or fourth week where Mayfield and Chubb are up for rookie of the week that this combination of these players has happened three or four times this season. So it is promising. And I guess all this, like – you know, moping around after they fired the coach. It's like, there is this is different this time because, A, that had to happen. Like, there was no way that anyone thought that you're traveling into the deep future with Hugh Jackson. It happened too late. That's fine. But there is hope this time because when you look at this roster and how it's built, the right coaching staff has a lot to work oh, with. Wait, the Browns are number one? Browns are number yeah, one. Yeah, that makes sense to me because eight... Like, even if you look at the late-round picks, Jannard Avery and Damian Ratley, I like how Ratley looks, and I think a- Avery's going to be great Avery's production. Be These a- are li- third-round picks, third-day picks, so that makes Avery's going to be a starter for them. He already is filling in, and I think he's going to be a starter for the next, you know, half decade. Why Why the Colts over the Broncos? Where are the Broncos? I, I, see, I was thinking the Broncos. The Broncos are third. One. The Colts okay. have – they they're the only team with a defensive rookie of the month and an offensive rookie of the month. Darius Leonard, to me, has had a bigger impact than any rookie in football. He leads the NFL in tackling. He has four sacks, seven tackles for loss, a few forced fumbles. This guy is a playmaker. Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith on their offensive line are both starting. Um, and to me, they're both like assets, whereas the Broncos have Bradley Chubb and Phillip Lindsay who are assets, but who else is really? Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Sutton That's has a great not trio. been – he's very – the potential is through the roof, but he's got less than a 50% catch rate too. Phillip Lindsay. Right. Yeah, Philip Lindsay like is getting it done. What would you say about the Broncos? I know Bradley Chubb has come on. He's obviously they made a good pick there, but let's say they had taken Josh Rosen instead of Chubb. Where would this cl- and, and we would be getting a different version of Josh Rosen because he wouldn't be encamped on one of the worst offenses we've ever seen. They didn't address the quarterback situation, and that's the one reason I think. I mean, Elway needed this draft, and he, he really needed it badly. But I, I still get stuck on these teams like the Giants and Broncos that ignored the most important position. Yeah, I, I, I think I would have to save that for a few years to find out who Josh Rosen's going uh, to be. I want an answer right now. <laughs> to this point. Yeah. Censored. Damn it, Wes. <laughs> the Cardinals are not on this list because the rookies haven't really played that well. Even though they addressed positions, Josh Rosen hasn't been an asset for the Cardinals this year. All right, quickly, Wes. The, the team uh, on this list that kind of intrigued you the most, their rookie class, uh, and the since you, I assume when you did this, you kind of went through all the teams, right? I did. Who had the worst rookie class so far? I like that too. The Jacksonville Jaguars aren't getting much at all out of their rookie class. That's one team. Really, some of the better teams, the Rams, of course, didn't have as many draft picks, so they're not getting as much. Uh, the Chiefs aren't getting a ton from their rookie class. So I think those are like the ones where it's like, oh, there isn't much there. Um, the one intriguing team that is on this list, I think the Panthers who are now like you're seeing them hit their stride as they work in DJ Moore. Um, Dante Jackson is Brian Baldinger's pick for defensive rookie of the year so far. He tied for the lead in interceptions. So I think that the Panthers, like they're being fueled by their young players. We kind of, you know, mocked, uh, maybe not mocked, but we were critical of them bringing back Marty Herney. Yeah, we We were like built statues to Dave Gettleman. Well, Dave Gettleman's had a terrible year personnel-wise with the Giants, and the Panthers have had a nice year since he's left. 
it's funny when you talk about these draft classes, and we have killed the Giants, and rightfully so. This has not worked out at all. If we just wait, though, if you just wait, the Giants, and I don't know enough about the college football scene to know if there's a star quarterback that they can get, they're going to pick the best quarterback probably on the board or close to it. So maybe this time next year they will have everything. Yeah, but they don't get any credit for lucking into that quarterback because they're so bad at their job. Not my point. I'm not they're, saying they're, they deserve credit. I'm just saying that right. it as, might work as out. bad it as might the work season out. has work, played out Absolutely. for them, it might ultimately all work right. out. Well, they they should, have Barkley and a quarterback they could build. They thought they were a nine-win team. The fact that they were so wrong about their own team could end up saving them. The only problem for them, too, is you're going to be compared. Whatever quarterback it is, you've got Sam Darnold playing in the same stadium for the Jets. That is an unpleasant uh, concoction for Giants. If rest. Darnold hits, that will always stick with them, especially if Barkley does not become a generational talent. When he hits. Well, the range of possibilities is they might find that quarterback next year in the draft, or it could be 20 years like the Browns and the Bills before they find a quarterback. Right. All right. There you go. Uh, check it out, NFL.com slash Wesseling. That may be a banner URL if the uh, About time. powers that be deem it you know, worthy. It feels like vanity URLs might have jumped the shark. Oh, really? I think like written content on the internet is struggling. Yeah, I right think now. like all of NFL.com has I don't to take a point long look out. in the mirror. Right Our now. lives are meaningless. But uh, <laughs> it seems like that's a problem area. All right. Fair point. Uh, we'll save that for uh, the future of the industry podcast coming up in the off season. But uh, let's uh, close out the show by taking a look at the first game on the Week Ten schedule: the Carolina Panthers, six and two, and rolling, absolutely rolling. Uh, they've won five of six and three in a row, and now they head to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Thank God, a good game on Thursday night because the Steelers are as hot as any team in the AFC with five wins out of six and four straight. Quiet Storm, and you are the one and true Quiet Storm. This is a game that you're going to watch and not hate, and I know it. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I, all I want is intriguing matchups. I especially love when you get two teams that don't see each other often like this, and they're both surging right now. The Panthers have zero turnovers in the last three games. They're not making mistakes. Cam Newton is the best red zone quarterback in the league at this point. Mm. I think we're going to see a lot of DJ Moore in this game. They're going to try to get him unleashed. And the Steelers, as much as I disdain the concept of them always making the playoffs, are very fun to watch right now, and it starts for me with James Conner. That's two, all I have to say. Two of the best tackling defenses in football, I think. They don't make these teams don't make a ton of mistakes. You're right. Cam Newton might be the best red zone quarterback. The Steelers, I know, are second in the league in red zone efficiency. I think the Bengals are randomly first. So these are two teams who you can com kind of compare because they both just finished up walking the Ravens defense up and down the field. They did it in mm. different ways, but ultimately, especially in the Carolina game, the offense of the Panthers dominated that game. They're both really good on third downs, and I think it's because they have so many options. I mean, DJ Moore is really fun to watch, and the Panthers – coaching staff is under the radar, not North Turner necessarily this year, but just the way that they do things. They had, they've had as many injuries as anyone on the offensive line. Their offensive line's playing well. So that to me is coaching. Dante Jackson and James Bradbury are, I'm not going to say they're the best cornerback duo, in say the league, it. but they're very good. And those are guys that weren't drafted very high that people 
don't talk about that much. And that's coaching. That's kind of having a system where you're making your players look better maybe than they would elsewhere. Thomas Davis said this week that the Panthers now are more talented than the 2015 team that went to the Super Bowl. And I think that cornerback duo is a good reason. And the weapons with Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey on offense is another. Their offense is definitely better than that team. And That's since, crazy to think about, though. It's true, though. You're right. And since we're here, we should mention the Le'Veon Bell situation. He's still not with the team. He has until Tuesday, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. If he doesn't report by that deadline, he's ineligible to play for the remainder of the 2018 season. I'm still confused whether he has to report and remain uh, tethered. Will he remain tethered to the franchise tag to the Steelers? I see it reported in all different ways, and it's annoying me because I wanted to know for sure. Greg, do you know definitively? Yes. What is it? I, I am keeping that to myself. I'm the only person <laughs> in the industry that knows. But That's it's, smart. It's great to know. It, I, it sounds awesome. But James Conner, Mark, who it starts, your excitement for the Steelers starts with James Conner. You said it on face of 2,000 yards. So they're going to be fine with or without love. They'll be fine. Pick this game. Fun. Is this in Pittsburgh or Carolina? It's Pittsburgh. All right. The Steelers win this 27 to 24 in a thriller. Wes? I think the Panthers might be a slightly better team, but the home field advantage, I, I'm going to stick with the Steelers 28-25. Remember the old um, desert credo back in the day, uh, Greg, which was always bet on Peyton Manning in primetime? Sure. I mean, they had that on billboards up and down oh, you the know. strip. Paid <laughs> for your college. Uh, I always bet against Cam Newton and the Panthers on the road in, Pam t- in prime time. What? Look, the numbers back it up. He has struggled career-wise uh, under the lights. He struggled in the Super Bowl, too, but that was – I remember, like, a nine-sack game now. against the Eagles on either Monday night or Thursday night football. Remember that awful seaside bar, Mark, where we watched the giant Panther game where uh, Newton laid an egg? He doesn't always play the best in these settings, and I don't like him on the road in this mm. game. As much as I love Cam and the Panthers this year, I feel like this they're going to take an L here. Laid an egg and then enraged us in a, with a late-game – uh, touchdown with the Panthers down by multiple tons of points. And then he points. rips his jersey open like he's Superman. Well, if you're Superman, you wouldn't be in this position to begin with. Was that bro. the game that Andre Brown ran all over? Yes, the yes that's, that's the, the game. Okay. Uh, let me give a score. It's going to be 31 to 17 Steelers. Ooh, I think the Steelers are a slightly better team. I think their their high their ceiling is even higher. That they they almost. I think Roethlisberger can play even better, and the way that the defense has just flipped a switch and suddenly turned into an average to a probably an above-average defense. I think they have a better defense than the Panthers, so I, I think they win at home, let's say, by six points, 30-24. to 24. They're going to go 6 nothing there. That would have been <laughs> next level. All right. Greg, that- this is an intervention. Help us help you. I I, I'm a, I appreciate you saw what I was doing there, Bridget. Just making sure everyone knew don't, how much they were. Don't pretend like you didn't know the old Peyton Manning in primetime credo. <laughs> don't pretend. You were definitely banging. You were banging it every time. No. That's something that, that that sounds like something I don't, I don't like. I don't like little rules like that. Is the intervention based on the last Bridget uh, entry that you are on acid, or is it because you have a serious uh, gambling issue? I mean, or both, all of the above. Just cover they, all the bases. You say you don't no. like little let's, things like let's that. Let's go to. I don't, but like. But he for, always covered at home, or always covered in prime time during his heyday. I think stuff like that, and the fact like Cam Newton has struggled on the road in prime time is 
totally meaningless. And I think most, you're meaningless. I think most. I think most people that look at the numbers would would say that. Uh, while we're talking intervention, can I yeah. give a TV recommendation? Sure. The Always Sunny in Philadelphia door. episode where Frank gets an intervention and thinks it's a roast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was classic. The actual show intervention is also a good show. Love that show. Much, right. much, not, not jovial. It's intense, very intense, but I enjoy watching it. Sometimes. Very nice. And before we go, last chance, Greg, if you want to reveal whether or not Le'Veon Bell needs to report in mm. order to waive the franchise tag entering, which would then enter him directly into free agency, or does he get hit with a transition tag? Clear it up, Greg. I'm changing the game right now. I'm actually going to sell this information to the highest bidder. <laughs> so just come That's at me helping the inside, like whether it's Schefter, Rappaport, Glazer, have, hit me up. Like I'll Wow, I like this. You have multiple issues, and that <laughs> will not change. All right, uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow night with a recap of that Panther-Steelers game, and then we will preview all the Week 10 matchups to come. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. How you feeling, Ricky? Feeling great. Looking better. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Till Thursday night. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.